Welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. It's our show. It is Case Study Sunday. And we got such good... Is that dance a permanent fixture? Oh, it will be. It will be, as long as you comment on it for the listeners, (laughs) since we're not video recording this one. And for Case Study Sunday, we got such good feedback last week. I had a couple of emails. You had a couple of texts, I think, from listeners of the show, you guys listening at home, really liking that we're talking about real people who listen to the show, the success they're having investing in property. But also, we really want to focus on the people who are investing in one or two or three, and not the ones who are investing in 40 properties like yourself, Not Andrew. The greedy ones. You know, ones that seem to be a bit more attainable for regular people listening to the show. Now, we've got a special guest. We talked about this last week, Stevie Waring, who is a property partner here at Opus. And you're going to talk to us about a case study of an investor, listener of the show, who you've been working with. Stevie, welcome along to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Now, tell me, who are we talking about today? Now, I've got a couple here, and just for Ed, I've named them Brad and Janet. Now, Damn it, now, Janet. I, now, I had no idea what this reference was, but it's the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which Ed says is a must. It is, a, it is an absolute must. And you do a great impression of Tom Hardy, did you say? No, Tim Curry, I think uh, it is. Is that right, Stevie? No. Okay. You right. don't want me to do it on the show? No. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to us about Brad and Janet. Obviously, change their names for anonymity. Give us a sense of the stage of life they are in. First of all, how old are they and what are they looking to achieve long-term through property? So I met them in August 2020. They were aged 39 and 37. They had two young daughters living in Wellington. They're both self-employed. And what they were looking for is to replace their income. So a form of retirement, especially for Brad, who has a very physical job and can't actually do that job all the way to 65. Yeah, okay, so it might be a tradie where he's on his feet all days, you know, it's physical, he doesn't want to keep going to 65. That's understandable. So when did they want to retire? When he was 55. Okay. and So 16 years. Yeah, because he's 39 now. Yeah. And what sort of income are they looking to replace? At the time, they were earning 59000 and 120000 so pretty good incomes. So 179 all up. It's quite a big retirement income to create in, in 16 years. When we do these wealth plans, and it might be a good time to clarify this, there are two main options that people go with. There's either building up enough of a nest egg that they can spend that until they die. That's the retirement strategy. Yep. Or they can build up enough assets that they can sell down some of their assets, keep the rest, and live off the income forever. Yeah, that's the passive income or what we've called in the book the golden goose strategy. I think that was my title. And so that's the more intensive one. You've gone with the first option in this case? Absolutely. So based on where they had gotten themselves to in regards to their existing investments, we thought that that was a good starting point. Now, if they smashed their goals, if they did far better than we had planned, of course, we could transition into that passive income. And that's usually the strategy that I used when I was allowed to see investors, where we'd start with that and then migrate across over time because obviously one's easier to achieve than the other. Now, one of my favourite things about Case Study Sunday is digging into people's numbers, seeing what they're currently doing. So what were Brad and Janet in this, and I can't stop smiling every time I say it, what were Brad and Janet in this case, what were they currently doing to try and build the nest egg that they need so they're able to live off that income? For the past 10 years prior to our meeting, their big focus had been to pay down their mortgage. So they'd been putting all of the extra funds into paying down their mortgage. So they had a million dollar house, which was great, and their mortgage was 230. Oh, real life. Which was fantastic. However, 
the only other assets they had were their KiwiSavers. And being both self-employed, they were putting in the minimum per year. So $1,000 to get the 500 from the government, give or take. Exactly. So their KiwiSavers combined was 26000 Okay. So not going to last them very long. But the other issue is the same like we talked about on Case Study Sunday last week, where their KiwiSavers are not going to be available by the time they retire because mm-hmm. he wants to retire at 55, can't get it to 65 based on the current rules. That could even change in the future. So it's not going to be available. So at the moment, they weren't doing anything. Don't get me wrong. Paying down your mortgage is absolutely great. But you've got no investments currently there. Was there any discussion about like, sweet, we've got five years to pay off our mortgage. After we pay off that mortgage, our plan is to put the same amount of money into a managed fund or save like that. Was that top of mind for them? Unfortunately not. When we were talking about it, that was the primary focus. They'd certainly come to the realisation they need to do something else. But I mean, that's such a big question for them. Where do you even go? What do you start looking into? Yeah, okay. And look, I don't want anybody listening to try to feel bad about that if you're in the same situation. That's a very normal normal. approach. Yeah. Really normal. And look, if your plan was, and maybe this is something you want to consider just in general because this is is an option. You know, sweet, we've got, it's a 16-year goal. We've got six years to pay off our mortgage. We can save that amount of money starting in six years' time and we can save for 10 years. Well, yeah, but then one thing that I was thinking about before is I like the strategy of paying down debt. But I also like the strategy of buying investment properties, obviously. And so I kind of wonder whether or not sometimes it's worth saying, okay, well, maybe if we just put $50 less onto our mortgage a week or $100 less onto our mortgage a week and get one rental property, how much better does that make us because we get an extra 10 years worth of property ownership? Just for argument's sake. But what did you do, Stevie? So we sat down and we first figured out what the gap was. And it was large, obviously, <laughs> because we couldn't take into account the KiwiSaver. So or we, the superannuation, right? You won't get the government super. Exactly. So what we figured out is that they would need to save $2,786 per week, every week for the next 16 years to get there. Sounds easy on 179000 a year. Well, it's basically well, everything it's, after it's, you pay your tax. Exactly. So oh, and like, they've got daughters as well. Two daughters. Yeah. Oh, so God, it's like another two taxes to pay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, can I say that on the show? Yeah, I think so. So it's 144000 per year, every year. Just put that in asset terms. What was the gap in terms of total numbers? Do you have the figure in front of you? $3.2 million. Oh, hardly anything. <laughs> now, actually, that one that you've got in front of you, I mm-hmm. think, was built in 2020, you mm-hmm. said? Yep. Great time to invest in property, by the way, Brad and Janet. I'm not sure whether that's inflation adjusted or not. It's not. Oh, Sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in today's dollars, it'd be, you know, something along the lines 2. of 2, 2 mil, probably. Yeah. 2.5. Yeah, about 2.5 Who's mil Who's the real today's. economist now? <laughs> <laughs> Come off it. Anyway, so how are we going to fill that gap then if they can't save $2,786 a week? So they were in a very good financial position around their incomes and their low debt. And so we thought, okay, why don't we start this off with a relatively aggressive approach by incorporating two growth properties from the start. If the bank was happy, if we could find the properties that fit, that was the best option. We wanted to diversify around location. And then what we would do is three more growth properties over the following nine years. So that's five total. Quite a few properties, isn't it? Yeah. But over a nine-year period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And certainly at the time, bank financing was a bit easier. So going for two straight away, it would be quite doable. Today, that's a little bit less doable, depending on your income and your situation, of course. 
But also that's what I like about this aggressive approach. We didn't know then that we were going to end up with tighter finance regulation. And this is where I say to people, if you've got the opportunity to invest, do it now. Don't make an excuse that I'll do it later because later might not ever come. So based on the financial modelling that you've got in front of you, those five properties, if they buy it and hold it for 16 years, and of course we're making some assumptions there, that would fill the gap? 101%. 101%. And now bear in mind, not all of them are held for that 16 years because they're bought over that nine-year period as well. Now, our modelling is conservative, and it assumes that on your 55th birthday, you blow out the candles and you sell all your properties at once. Don't ever do that, by the way. You obviously sell one down, use the equity off that, you'd live off that, you'd hold the others for the next three, four, five years, then you sell the next one and so on, which gives you a lot more cash than what this model works on. But again, we go on the conservative. Can I ask you as well, Steve, so when somebody, do you know what, I'm just sitting here and I mean, look, I built most of the spreadsheets between Andrew and myself. Thanks for a little bit of street cred. No, but I'm just thinking when somebody, because to me it makes sense because I like numbers and I like spreadsheets. Yeah. But when you, <laughs> can't help it. But my question is when somebody goes through, like real people go through and model out their portfolio and say, okay, I've got a $3 million gap at the moment in terms of assets, but if I buy these five properties based on some modelling, I'll fill that gap. You know, what do people think about that? Do they think this is impossible? You know, how can five properties do that or... Mainly people think, wow, that is simpler than I thought it would be. That is the main feedback that I get, is that, is it actually that easy? And in reality... It is, if you do it. The reason we actually built this software was to show people how few they actually needed to get to a substantial goal if it's over a period of time because there's no set number that any one person needs. So you just put in what you want and then it'll tell you what you need. And so did these guys actually take some action? Absolutely. So we went through a few different options. There were some things that they considered and they ultimately landed on a standalone property in Rolleston down in Christchurch. They got a really good deal for that. What'd they pay for it? (laughs) They got a four bedroom, two bathroom, Double garage house for five hundred and thirty-five thousand. Oh, what's it worth now? Like eight eight fifty. Eight fifty on I had a bad day. I had a look. Eight eight five. Yeah, there you go. Oh, Brad and Janet, I'm actually so happy for you. By the they, way, they settled mid last year. Awesome. On that oh, that's and so good. Just, the rents as well would be oh, really healthy at the moment. So one of mine just got re-rented at the moment for six hundred and fifty dollars a week. What was it? Exactly that. No, beforehand. Uh, 500 at most. Yeah, yeah, I remember when the rents were 500 too. Yeah, so now it's a growth property that's positively geared. And that's the cool thing. You've got two growth properties. Well, I don't know what the other one is yet, but that because of the timing of when they're bought, they're now growth properties achieving a really high yield. So that will springboard them into the next ones. And what's the other one they went with? So they went for a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bathroom townhouse in West Auckland in Ranui. Ah, yeah, Metcalf Road. That's the one. Now, this one didn't actually go as smoothly as the first one. And I really want to talk about this because this is how property investments sometimes goes, which we just talked about on the webinar earlier in the week, actually, about the things that go wrong in yeah, property. Well, I'll jump in here because this is this is one that I had a lot to do with. So this was... Uh, <laughs> That's why it went wrong. De- <laughs> <laughs> this is a development of 80 to 100 properties, and they were sold to a mix of owner, occupiers, and investors. And the feasibility of the development just did not make sense. Early stage of the development, the developer said, hey, we just can't make this work anymore. 
more because of the cost of construction. Each unit, the cost of construction went up by something like $65,000 and it was just going to cancel it. And so I actually worked with that developer and we came to a pretty reasonable result where I think the investors had to accept a price escalation of $25,000, which was very low considering the properties had probably gone up by 100000 on average. And I think the vast majority, I think two people said no to that proposal and, and just went and got the deposit back. But everyone else was smart enough to go ahead with it and have made a lot of money on that. That's still under construction, but certainly I think those would probably be worth, my guess would be $150,000 more now. Did the project become unviable because of COVID delays and uh, increases in cost of construction? Uh, yeah, it was, it was both of those things, yeah. So how did they handle this one? Because obviously that's pretty scary if you, you know, ring, 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 ring. It's Andrew Nichol from the Property <laughs> Academy podcast. You know, the costs have increased by actually 65, but, you know, if you want to keep the property, it's gone up by 25. How, how did they handle that one? They got in touch with me. Obviously, we knew about it already. And so there was a logical order to do this in, right? So first of all, it was, is this all legit? Yes, it is. Andrew's been involved. So we know that there's actually a reason for that. Also, has the value of the property gone up? Yes, it had. So we've we've still made money on the property. You know, we're, we're purchasing off the plans in advance so that we can ideally gain some equity during the build. So that had still happened. Then it was, is the bank okay with it? Right? 25K, it's not huge, but you need to make sure that that's going to Yeah, the bank's still going to give you the yep. money. Yep, so that was all good. And then just talking them through the pros and cons. And what's interesting about it is the estimated completion right at day one was mid-2022, mm. and their property's on track for October yeah. 22. Yeah. So even with all of that. We've made up some time in that development. And this is one of those things where not everything is always going to be perfect when you're buying off plans or buying anything, but you can still get a really good result if you're dealing with a developer where something goes wrong, but they do the right thing. So all up today, how much have they made off these properties? Because it's going to be something substantial. And obviously anybody listening to the show thinks it's going to be the same amount going forward. Obviously we've gone through a boom period. They would have been investing in a time that was still pretty scary, not that long after COVID. Ballpark, what have they made? So on the first property, they've made approximately 350k. And then on the second, about 125k. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what makes me so happy? Half a million bucks almost. Well, it just makes me so happy that these guys had a $3 million goal and they had 16 years to do it and they made half a million dollars off these properties because they decided to take a risk and hey, in this case, it actually paid off for them and that's a really beautiful thing. But, you know, we've got somebody out here who's working a pretty physical job, needs to retire by 55, just that's his profession. And actually, it's gone the right way for him. And I'm just really pleased for them. And what percentage of their goal now, because they've had such good uplift in those properties, how on track are they today? Well, that's the amazing thing. So when you work with one of us, we obviously do a review every year. So we're updating all of these numbers and making sure that we're on track. Originally, they needed a total of five properties to get them to their goal. They've got two. They only need two more because the first two properties have gotten them 60 4.8% wow. to their goal. That's based on the forecast assumptions for the next right. couple of years or so as well, yep. just based on that. So if they only hold those two properties that they've already bought based on today's values, they'll be 60-odd percent of the way there. So only need another two. Not, say the bank wouldn't lend them any more money ever again, they have got two-thirds of the way there. So it might mean they just need to live on a slightly lower income just with those two or just work a little bit longer. But that's a huge debt. No, no amount of saving would have got them to that. Yeah, and the other thing that I just want to point out is that these guys have got pretty ambitious goals. Do you know what I mean? Like you want 180K income, live off in retirement, 
really high, by the way. I mean, that's higher than a lot of the investors that I see the team work with. And, you know, they wanted it at 55. Relatively short runway. And it's only 16 years. I mean, I say only 16 years. But do you know what I mean? Like, it's pretty ambitious. And actually, they're on track to do it. So I just think that's really good. You're a former mortgage broker, Stevie, so I could ask you this. <laughs> what do you think the likelihood of getting those extra two properties is based on their incomes and the rate at which, you know, their self-employed income is growing? So I would say that far more likely now that they've had spikes in rent as well as their incomes have been increasing. Okay, that's just a beautiful thing. And that extra growth in the property, like that'll just... It'll help the LVR position. To, yes. Not financial <laughs> advice. Um, <laughs> you know what, guys? I just think it's just such a wonderful thing. You know, you get these people who are coming in, regular people, couple of kids, paying down their mortgage, and that's a, that's a good thing to do. You know, but they've got a plan now and, you know, maybe they stick it on the fridge or they hide it in their sock drawer. You know, I don't know, that's where I put my wealth plan. But put in some plans in place, increasing their wealth. It's just my wealth plan. (laughs) (laughs) And now on track to retire early and have a good income. And I just think that's that's the power of property. It just makes me it just makes me all feel warm and fuzzy inside. Right, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. really helps us get the message out to more people. And hey, look, if you want to put a wealth plan in place yourself, then you can come see us. It doesn't cost you anything. I'm going to drop a link in the show notes where you can find out about that if you're keen, or just go to opuspartners.co.nz. I'm your host, Sid McKnight, and we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most. Until next time.